What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Anna Bowyer on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. You're from the UK, right, Anna? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm yeah. from um, Hampshire in the UK, so like the southeast part. <laughs> okay, so so cool. I just love how this podcast just reaches like all across the world. But um, Anna, I'm excited to hear your story. I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like. Well, thank you very much. And I apologise in, in advance if I have a little tear somewhere along the line here. Um, so I, I really want to thank you first, Shelley, because really from the bottom of my heart, I'm sure with everybody else um, and everybody who's done this as well, who shared the stories, it's really been sort of um, my, my hope and support and sort of helping hand throughout this and, and also sort of helping moving forward, I think, with what would, what would happen in the future. So that's been great. So thank you. Um, so I'll sort of start with um, myself. I'm Anna. Um, I have been with my partner for two and a half years. We met the very um, non-traditional way, but maybe traditional now, um, on the internet and uh, met under uh, the clock at Waterloo Station in London. And he uh, bought me rhubarb and broad beans <laughs> from his allotment. So my mum referred to him forever as a rhubarb man, which was brilliant. And he... Um, loves that I'm sure um I'm 38 and uh, he's 48 so we were sort of keen to to crack on with the old baby making we moved in together into a new area uh, a year or just over a year ago now um and we've loved it we've moved into the countryside I used to live in London so it's been beautiful and been really relaxing and so um in January uh I came off the pill in January 2020 expecting obviously it to take a while I was 38 I was 37 then and um, I wasn't sure how that would sort of come about but lo and behold uh, end of March I was pregnant which was incredible Um, and I literally couldn't believe it I remember seeing that very very faint uh, blue line extra blue line and and after seeing, I've, I use the peanut app a lot, and, and on there, I see, you know, like people going, am I pregnant? Like, it's really, really faint. And obviously on there, they're very keen to say, yeah, if, if there's a line, there's a line. So I remember going out running just after that, thinking, wow, oh my gosh, wow, really? And, and not, not quite sure what's happening. Um, sadly, my partner had been pretty ill. The pandemic had sort of hit in March, and we'd... Um, he'd been unwell so we'd been at home for two weeks because I'm a teacher and um I had to isolate with him so we were sort of coming to the end of that but he was really excited as well um and we were sort of working from home which was quite nice um well so I thought sadly well not sadly but it's all I could think about for the whole time I was working from home and I'm used to having children coming up to me all the time asking questions and can do this can I do this and my day's normally very full-on and suddenly my day was full-on with nobody else around me apart from my partner and all I was to think about was this little bean that I was growing inside me so I spent a lot of time researching as I'm sure lots of people do um 
and uh, yeah, a lot of research. And I just couldn't believe the fact that I then started having these symptoms where I had like tender breasts and the smell. Like nobody, I didn't know that this was a thing where you open the fridge and you're like, wow, I can smell everything in there. That is awful. <laughs> and sometimes great. Um, and I, I, I began to get nauseous a little bit later and I was tired. And I just couldn't believe that this thing that was the size of a poppy seed was able to you know, take over my entire body, I guess, at this particular time. Like I said, um, I was reading a lot because I also found this time to be quite a lonely time. Um, not that I couldn't speak to my partner, but I was a little bit worried that he was thinking that I was a bit obsessed with this and a bit over the top because I was reading everything and I loved reading. I was really interested in everything. Um, uh, I, you know, I read into miscarriage and everything as well because I knew that that was really common. Hoping it wasn't going to happen, as everybody does, of course. I just found it really lonely. So I wasn't at school either to, to talk to my colleagues there and you know, I told my mum and she was really excited, but I'm her youngest daughter and I'm 37 and, uh, well, at the time I was 37 and no, she can't remember back that far, I'm sure. I certainly couldn't. So um, I found it really strange to be seeking advice from strangers on the internet um, and not talking to people who I know had just gone through it, but I still didn't want to talk to them. We weren't ready to tell people because we weren't sure what was going to happen. And and I, I sort of look back on that in retrospect and think, you know, now a lot of people know because I speak a lot about the miscarriage and I wonder whether uh, I should have just told them then because they've all been absolutely incredible and amazing. And, and, you know, maybe I just should have told them and then I wouldn't be telling them I was pregnant and then I wasn't pregnant all in the same breath, which was quite heartbreaking for them as well as me, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, we kept going. My partner is amazing, and I just didn't, I didn't want him to think that I was, uh, a better word, a little bit crazy and obsessive over this. And I, it seems silly now because I know he absolutely loves me, and I tell him everything now, so much sometimes to his disgust. Um, so I contacted the doctors, which is even scary then. Like when you haven't done it, it's a little bit nerve wracking. You're not sure what the process is. And over here in the UK, at the moment, anyway, you. Um, get the midwife's number ring the midwife they then um speak to you about some dates say you know take your folic acid etc which i was doing anyway because i started that in january when i knew we were going to start trying um and then she scheduled uh, another appointment for i think it was eight weeks or seven weeks or eight weeks when she was going to call me back which she did. So eight weeks, she called me back and we went through both myself and my partner's um, time, you know, like life and history and all those kind of things. Um, she said, that's fine. I am overweight. So she said, potentially later on in the pregnancy, I'll have to go for a glucose test. I would. Um, and then she booked me in for my blood test. So I went to my blood test and, you know, when we walked in there because it was during the pandemic, we drove there and there was nobody on the roads. It was just bizarre going to the hospital and it, it was very eerie because there was nobody in the hospital and you have to wear a mask. And I, I remember, well, I don't know if it's the same in the United States, but every hospital I've been in, in the UK is like a maze. And they tell you these things on the wall about where you've got to go. And I feel lost all the time. So this was even worse because there didn't seem to be anybody to ask along the way um 
so it was it, it was a bit nerve-wracking my partner obviously wasn't allowed in either <clears throat> well I probably wouldn't have taken him to a blood test I'm sure he did drive me there though, of course um and yes yeah, so I had my blood test done etc eight weeks um and then I was feeling really nauseous by now a lot and she was just saying oh, you could you know like eating helps with that and I had all these symptoms still so I kind of felt like secure in the fact that everything's okay because I was still feeling all these symptoms. Um, however, it sort of came to, I think, to week nine. I remember sitting in the garden and I was working on my laptop and my partner was um, doing some gardening because he had a day off. And I was, I just said, oh, I'd really like to go for a scan because I felt like, because he wasn't going to be allowed in, the NHS were not allowing them in to, I believe they're still not allowing them in to scans because of COVID. And I wanted him to be there just as much for me as for him. So he could be a part of this. And, and I think, you know, like can start bonding with the baby, et cetera. So uh, I booked us in for a private scan for 10 weeks. Um, and the night before, oh, I don't also then I just kind of had a horrible feeling. And I don't know whether everybody has that or whether that's an intuitive thing or whether I'll always have that in the future. I'm not sure. I suppose I'll just have to wait and see that one out and hope that it that it was just that one time um i had all these symptoms but sadly on, well not sadly but that wednesday night before we went on thursday i began to spot a little bit which is unusual i'd spotted a bit before a lot earlier on when we'd had sex and um that i you know i looked into that and that i'd been normal and that happened regularly if we if we had sex so I kind of just brushed that off to that which I think it was um but this seemed a little bit different we hadn't had sex this night and I just thought oh, this is a bit strange but okay we're going for a scan tomorrow so whatever will be will be um so we drove to the scan which was in Reading which is about 45 minutes away from here um and I drank a lot because I I'd said that we needed to um have a full bladder I'd sort of read up online because it was early on and because I was overweight, potentially they would have to do an internal scan. So I was sort of prepared for both. And I prepared my partner for both because I thought, you know, like seeing somebody do an external scan compared to somebody doing an internal scan, um, it's probably needs a little bit of preparation. So I prepared for that. Um, and then I, I sort of remember going in there and the sonographer, I think they're called sonographers, sort of um, was in there. And she... I remember her saying, okay, so we're going to try the external one. Um, but before we do this, I just want you to know that we will go quiet while we're looking, but I don't want you to worry about anything. Um, we'll talk about whatever we find afterwards. Just so you know, it will be silent for a while, which might be a bit awkward. And I thought, oh, okay. Because um, you can probably tell I do find silence awkward. <laughs> um, so... Um, she did the external scan and she couldn't find anything. And now I don't, I don't know whether it's just because she couldn't see anything then or whether she could and she needed a more detailed inspection. Um, and we had to go to the toilet and come back. Um, and she did the internal scan, which wasn't painful or anything. And I think for some people it is. Um, I've definitely heard on here people talk about that being slightly painful and it wasn't for me. So I was happy about that already. Um, and you know, we were nervous and she said she did her silence and then she she broke the silence with those those words you really don't want to hear and 
I've had other people on here say as well that kind of stick right in mind with um, Anna. I'm so sorry. There is no heartbeat. Um, sorry, I'm a bit emotional now. This was in um, May of this year, at the end of May. So um, it's still, still very painful now. Um, and I remember replying with, oh, okay, thank you. You know, well, obviously, I don't know what was going to come out of my mouth otherwise. And just sort of stood up and was a bit numb, really, a bit gobsmacked, I think. And we were just, you know, I was so happy that I'd taken my partner with me and we'd gone together and I didn't have to leave that room and have to explain to him what I just heard because there was, we didn't talk all the way home. You know, the, the nurse in there also just said, she didn't talk very much, which I was thankful for really, because I didn't want to ask any questions. I didn't have any questions right then. I just needed to absorb this information. And it was, you know, mind blowing, I guess, because you kind of have all these plans already for the future of this baby and, and what was going to happen. It was sort of due on Christmas day. So we were excited about that. And I told my mom and got a few people at work because uh, they, I wasn't at work. So they were, wondering why I wasn't coming into work so I just told a couple of people um and now all of a sudden I have to tell these people that I'm not pregnant again or well, the baby didn't have a heartbeat which was horrible anyway I just skipped a chunk um the nurse said I'm going to ring the hospital that's close to you the early pregnancy unit and they will ring you back um and get you an appointment because they'll do another scan just in case we've missed something um but that'll happen really soon. So, I mean, they were great. They were amazing. Now, looking back on it, in fact, every single person I've come into contact with medically-wise has been incredibly sympathetic and just incredible. And I think I've definitely heard on this podcast that they, lots of people have not had that. And I just can't thank those people enough for doing that um, for me. Well, it you know, <laughs> makes you sadder. But I was really grateful to all of them. Um, so we got home and I remember opening a letter and there was a letter from my doctor for my 12 week scan and it was kind of a real kick in the guts I guess oh here you go here's your 12 week scan you've been waiting all this time for but now you don't need it anymore um, and then I was thinking well, what do I do do I need to ring somebody in the end but luckily I uh, also had a phone call that same day from um the home birthing unit because I'd expressed an interest in that um, and had to tell them so I had to tell, tell these complete strangers that I was no longer pregnant but thank you for calling um, and then I had a call from the actual doctor or the EPU sorry the early pregnancy unit and they rang me and said we've got an appointment tomorrow please could you come in we'll do a scan and then we'll discuss further um, what might happen after that obviously I went back to my research potentially you know they might just miss the heartbeat and one of my friends actually said they did that to her they missed the heartbeat of her child and he's now a 16 year old grown boy and you know they thought that they didn't hear a heartbeat so you know there was that, still that tiny bit of hope um, again my partner couldn't come in but this time I kind of felt like I didn't want him there I didn't want to have to deal with um, anybody else's emotions I just wanted to have to deal with my own emotions or or perhaps not deal with them at all by this day by the next day I kind of felt numb to it 
And, you know, the day before we'd sort of snuggled up on the bed and had a good cry together. And my partner's amazing. I can't thank him enough. And, you know, he deals with me in tears all the time. Well, not all the time. That seems like I cry a lot, but I don't really. Um, and he's amazing. So, yeah, so I had to go in again and I waited. And, you know, it, it was horrible, really. It's horrible to be in hospital at this time, any time, but particularly during this pandemic. Although I would say I feel like there was a lot less sick people there which kind of made me feel a bit more at ease um the, the nurse let me in she did another one scan she was so apologetic she said i'm sorry there's still no heartbeat you know the, here are your options and she was just incredible she gave me the three options that everybody has um and i don't know whether there's dnc in that we have an mva which i think is the same as a dnc um it's like a vacuum procedure um and she said you know what we can get you in for that today if that's what you want and i just knew that that's what i wanted i i this baby had stopped having a heartbeat at seven weeks and five days um and i thought well we're you know almost three weeks over that now and it hasn't you know come out naturally so i don't want to wait any longer i don't think i can have this you know dead baby inside me like the thought of that was for me it was horrific and obviously I understand why people make the choices they do absolutely do um and so she offered that to me in the afternoon she she did say something that really stuck with me and I just thought was a gentle and kind thing to say for the future and she just said um some sperm and eggs just aren't friends Anna and you know doesn't mean that the other sperm and eggs won't be friends and i look forward to seeing you again in the future in a much more positive um, scanning way and i can't i look forward to that and she was just lovely like they all really really were and i'm so happy that they were brilliant and so great at their jobs um i had that procedure then a little bit later on the day i couldn't have an anesthetic so i was awake because of the pandemic um so that's like the devil word these days, COVID and the pandemic, isn't it? And um, it really, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I was trying to, I just saw things black and white then, you know, I had the procedure, my legs were up in these stirrups. It was, it was almost, it's almost like you can see it as a bit of a joke. Like it was horrible looking back at it, but actually, you know, I had my legs in stirrups, a big floodlight up my vagina and this man, you know, pretty much right up there, sticking, you know, he had to stick needles up there to numb it while I was wide awake. The nurse next to me was so sweet and I was trying not to be upset. I just wanted to be frank and black and white and numb to it all, really. And it was done in about half an hour. Um, I had to wait another half an hour before I was allowed to go home. My partner was outside, he picked me up, took me home. And I think I bled for about a week after that. I didn't have any pain. Or very little, very little indeed. And I just, you know, listening to other people's podcasts and stories, I just thank goodness that was the case because I've had, you know, on here some stories where women have had to go through horrific things um, on top of the fact that they've lost their baby, which is, you know, unnecessary, I guess. Um, so we went home. Um, I think we grieved together. I had a couple of weeks off work. Well, I worked from home, so I'm still able to do that. Um, and my head teacher said, oh, whenever you're ready, just let me know. She was also amazing. And I said, I think I'm ready now. I need to be around people. 
and you know stepping back into that was quite tricky um because I was going from working from home and everybody was already back at school for two weeks apart from people who were pregnant or diabetic and stepping back into that was was tricky um for sure because I felt like everybody knew although some of them did because I I sort of said why and wonderful but other people didn't and I think you know they sort of guessed that I wasn't there because I was pregnant and then okay well why is she back she's early you know like is she pregnant now like I you know people might question or wonder and and I wasn't ready for those questions I guess and then um, I talk about it a lot now uh, if anybody asks or you know and you, you just find out so many people have been through it as well you didn't know and of course you wouldn't know like I, I only started at the school a year ago so you know we only had six months before we went into lockdown why would I know you know it's not something the first thing I mentioned to new people but if people talk about children or find it difficult to get pregnant or any of those infertility issues then then I do I talk about it and I I don't know if I happily talk about it but I I I want to talk about it because I think just like this podcast is you need to get it out there that there's so many people that are in this I don't know awful forward slash wonderful community of people and that we are one and we stick by each other and we'll support each other and all those things. Um, so that's actually when I found this podcast. Um, and I remember decorating the back bedroom and scraping some ceiling tiles off and just listening to these people's stories and thinking, these women are so strong and so brave and I, I can't thank them enough for coming on there and saying their pieces for Shelley starting it. Um, and that really helped me. It just helped me to heal helped me to understand what I was feeling, I guess, and to explain how I was feeling. Because I don't think you can do that with other people. It's a different type of bereavement. For me, it's a different type of grief than I'd ever felt before. Um, it was a, a grief for the future, almost. And then also you're sort of left with this, I've lost my baby. Will I be able to get pregnant again? Will I be able to hold in a baby? Will it, will it be a sticking baby? <laughs> so I call it on peanut app quite regularly. Um, anyway, we got through the next few weeks, went back to work. Everybody was amazing. My friends have just been incredible um, and sort of taken it in their stride, really. And lots of some of my close friends have had them, some haven't. And they have, you know, I've always pulled them up on things that they shouldn't say, like, oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. And I think, and I was to say, oh, you know what, thank you for saying that. But actually, you know, if I can only get pregnant for seven weeks and five days, there's not much point, is there? And they sort of say, oh, yeah, and they apologise. And I'm like, you don't need to apologise. I'm just, you know, for the future, if anybody says that, then perhaps that's not the best thing to say. And I think, you know, it's like re-educating anybody in anything, they say. Um, and I think that's important. And I'd prefer it if somebody had said that to me in the past, because I've definitely been that person. I've been that person that said that in the past. I've been the person who says, oh, don't worry, you're just young, you'll be fine. Or, um, you know... Or the person who goes, oh, you're going to have a baby now. Are you trying to get pregnant? And really like delve deep into their private life. And I just wouldn't do that now from going through this. And I would just not do that because it's none of my business. And if they want to tell you, they'll tell you. Um, and that's the, <laughs> that's the end of that. But, uh, you know, like being open with my story, I hope will encourage other people to be open with theirs as well. Um, anyway, so we went on. I think we had started to have sex again after about two weeks afterwards because I was keen like, I was keen to get back on we both were right let's make another baby and um, you know 
come on. And I felt like somehow that would heal my grief by making another one. Um, and then the first month, I got my period after five weeks. I was ovulating fine, which was amazing. I know some people don't have that either. And that's really difficult for them. Um, and I was, I almost felt two ways about getting my period. I felt really sad because I wasn't pregnant for the first pregnancy and I wasn't pregnant again. But happy that I had a period back because I've also read many times where it's taken a lot longer and they haven't come back properly or those kind of things. So I was happy that my body had sort of regenerated and, and, and gone back to normal. Um, so we moved on from that, we went pregnant, fine. Came to the end of the school year. It's very strange being in school. We had about 200 children still in school, but it was um, very different very different just 11 children in my class rather than 30 and it was very it was much more relaxing and then you kind of forget about the whole COVID thing when you're in school and then you sort of come home you see people with masks on and it's just oh well we all know it's horrific when you are reminded of it I guess and um, some people have obviously been through horrific times as well from that. Uh, anyway move on next month and I think um, I can't remember what it was called but there was a book, a very short book, um, about how you could, you know, like have sex in order to get pregnant very quickly. And I, and I cannot for the life of me remember what that was. Um, and it was like, you have sex on day eight after a period and you have, um, and then you have it every other day until you get your period. And then, and then you have sex three days in a row. So I was very regimented and that's what we did. We went for it. Um, how much my partner's probably discussed because I think he probably thinks we're a bit um, sort of sergeant major about it um, just takes some romance out of it a little bit um, and we did that and we were pregnant again by uh, July, middle of July I found out I was pregnant um, oh, towards the end of July actually great this time I didn't feel anything I just knew I was pregnant I didn't feel any symptoms um any of those things so even from the beginning of that I was just thinking I'm not sure this one's going to last I don't feel any symptoms or or anything um and so we went on we we're supposed to be going to Australia damn Covid prevented us from going there so um we just went on holiday to Devon which is a couple of counties down the road we went to Seaside which is beautiful and we went to the pub, well, we went to the pub and had to sit outside, of course, and had masks when we went in to get a drink. And I went to the toilet, and when I wiped, there was a little bit of blood. But again, I, you know, like I'd spotted before, so I thought, oh, okay, that's you know, not too bad, a bit worrying, but not too bad. And definitely it's more worrying this time because of what's already happened. Um, then the next day, my dad and his wife came up for lunch. We went to the same pub, and I went to the toilet again. And I watched and there was bright red blood. Not not hundreds of it, just bright red blood. And I, more of it. And I thought, oh, this isn't right. I went back and I had finished our lunch. You know, I didn't say anything to my partner then because, you know, my dad's there and his wife. And they knew about the first one because I told them. But I didn't, my dad's a, probably a bit like me, a very emotional man. And I didn't think... Um, I needed to know right now because you know didn't know what was going on so I waited for them to go we drove home and we got 
well, not home to our little holiday cottage, we got to this crossroads and I was crying. And my partner was like, well, why are you crying? What's the matter? I just said I was bleeding. And we got back and I was bleeding a lot more. Um, I had bought my car, which my partner's not insured on. So I had to then drive about 20 minutes to get some pads because I didn't have any because I didn't think I was going to have a period because I was pregnant and I wasn't prepared and that sort of certainly taught me that I need um, to be a lot more prepared in the future for that um, and then I just I bled a lot so I was feeling a pad like every half an hour it was horrific I just felt like it was running out of me and and I knew I knew then that that was this is what's happening um, I so couldn't ring the doctor because it was quite late. So I did um, can do like an online referral. So he would give you a call the next day, um, which he did. And I just didn't sleep very well, of course. I'm sure lots of women will say this, you know, you feel like you're going to bleed out. And I wasn't even in my own bed. It wasn't something I could wash. I was on holiday and, and, and it made me feel a bit uneasy. I knew we weren't going home for almost another, well, another week because we were going then to see family and, and in a way, in a way that was better because I had something to take my mind off the fact that this was happening. Next day we did spend the day inside, the doctor rang and he just, he was so lovely. And he said, I'm really sorry if this is happening to you. He said, but I need you to know that bleeding isn't always the end. You know, like there are other reasons why you bleed during pregnancy. So I, he said, I sadly can't do anything to help you right now. He said, you, um, you know, use things to help you with the pain. If you don't need to, then don't. And he said, oh, mate, we'll schedule another appointment for a week's time and I'll ring you again and we'll see. And if we need to get you in, we'll get you in. But please, you know, like try not to worry. And it's a waiting game. And he said, I hate to tell you that. It's really sad to tell you that. But, you know, there is nothing else we can do at this time because you're so early on. And I was four weeks, uh, five weeks, sorry, not four weeks, just about to be six weeks. Um, so it was very early on, but I don't know how much better that makes it. I don't think that makes it better at all that doesn't um apart from I guess in a way there's like less time wasted I really felt like when I was 10 weeks pregnant I'd wasted a lot of time being pregnant when that wasn't going to work out and I know that sounds I don't know if that sounds stupid or not I'm not sure um uh, we we had a nice holiday I guess obviously it will always be tainted with that um we saw other members of my family again and we saw friends and that was lovely to catch up and I was a bit blase about it, you know, went in a hot tub, I would drink lots of wine, things that, because I knew, I knew that this was the end um, of that pregnancy. So that was really sad. We had, you know, a nice enough time. <laughs> um, and I rang the doctor again the following week. He said, because I had I'd bled really heavily, then I'd stopped and then I started bleeding again. He was a bit worried there might be an infection, so he sent me for a um, a scan. And I had to go to another hospital again, <laughs> have that scan, just to be told. Yeah. In fact, she said, there was, oh, there's nothing in there. And I almost felt a little bit like she was saying, there's never anything in there. And I was like, well, there was, and I've seen it come out. And I'm sure she didn't mean it in that way at all. Just at that time, that's kind of the edge that it felt on me um again we were just so sad and you know 
sort of came through since the storm of more tears I guess and we were upset and but we were together and we we were hopeful I guess I was certainly hopeful um I came back and I thought from a lot of the people on here they advocate advocate for yourself advocate for yourself and I thought you know what I'm going to advocate for myself one thing I've learned from this and from this podcast particularly is you need to be back on that phone you need to be researching you need to do everything you can so I did a lot of research. Um, I read a lot. I read, it starts with the egg. I started, um, I, I spoke to this woman who gave me oh, acupuncture, um, which I have had to stop because it's very expensive, sadly. Um, and she said, read, it starts with the egg by Rebecca Fletz, I think it's called. And she, and it was wonderful. Well, you know, it was great. I stopped taking folic acid and started taking folate which is the natural form of folic acid and i highly recommend that um i just felt like anything that's natural is obviously better than the synthetic version i read that in up to 60 percent of women i think it said in there um folic acid doesn't actually absorb um into their system what a folate does because it's a natural form i started taking coq10 which um which I loved. I felt like I was full of energy after the COQ10. It was quite expensive and um, I was still taking it. Uh, I was exercising daily. I was eating much smaller portions of healthier food. I don't drink anyway much. Um, I mean, I have done in the past, um, but not so much anymore since we were trying um, and I stopped drinking altogether. I, I've cut caffeine right down because I just never went back to it after I wasn't pregnant and I used to drink a lot of diet coke a lot I changed to caffeine free and now I barely ever drink like maybe one every two weeks but before I was drinking about two or three a day which I know is terrible and um, I don't smoke either um so I contacted a fertility expert after this and um they said try and get the NHS to do bloods for you so that you don't have to pay because obviously the fertility expert would cost a lot of money and um, uh, a friend of mine down the road but my netball coach from down the road she had told me a little bit about her story and she said that she'd used a fertility expert and they were amazing so she, i sort of emailed them and they sent me back what, what i needed to do previous to going to them um i got my bloods done on the national health system on the nhs and they came back in the normal range, except when I, and I, then I asked for them to have a printout copy to go and get that. And they were in the normal range, except for the thyroid, which is in the normal range, but it, I think it was 2.75, I'm not really sure what that means, but um, when I looked at research into that, into fertility of thyroid, it said that was too high. Not hugely too high, but it was in the sort of middle category of a high so there was regular that's just fine this will help fertility the one in the middle where you're more likely to have recurrent miscarriage or miscarriage and then the higher one where you're much more likely to have that um so i didn't want to i didn't want to take more tablets if i didn't have to so i sort of looked up online did a doctor google and found that you could do a few things cut up caffeine altogether which i've done maybe the occasional cup of tea without a caffeine in with caffeine in sorry um and make sure you get a lot more sleep drink a lot more than you think you need to drink so add up because you do kind of weight conversion thing on that website um, and how much you need to drink and i said you need to drink three liters and i'd only been drinking two 
Um, so I've upped, upped those things as well. Um, and yeah, so I've done all these things and, and what I wasn't really ready for was to sort of be upset again. I, I thought I'd sort of got over it and I didn't realise that when I went back to school in September, there was, there was two women who were at my school who were pregnant when, at the same time as me, so they would have been the same distance, distance or something like that, same far along as me, gestation, let's say. And they had these big baby bumps and I cried instantly. I had to take myself to the toilet when I saw them because I thought that should be me, that would have been me. I wasn't really ready to to see that and to see how far away they were. Well, I was happy for them, of course, and I was excited, but so sad for, for our loss and so sad that that could have been me and <laughs> jealousy, I guess, of this. Um, and these were the people that I knew that I talked to that knew about it as well. So they kind of knew and I didn't want to make them feel bad about talking to them too often. And um, one of them actually shared with me that she'd also had past miscarriages at that time. So, you know, I felt really happy for them. Um, that's sad for myself, I guess, that if that's um, selfish or not, but that's the way I felt. So I seem to be ovulating regularly now, which is, which is a real relief and I'm, happy about that and having my periods back and we're just um trying again for a baby in the future I guess and hoping my years don't run out too quickly um, and I'm really trying my best not to let those two miscarriages affect you know a future pregnancy so if I get pregnant again I don't want to have that baggage almost of being a nervous wreck but I'm sure I probably will um, nine months is a very long time to be a nervous wreck so hopefully I will be able to to be there and um, you know continue forward in our goal <laughs> along the way <laughs> thank you Shelley <laughs> oh you did you have you shared your story so well like you did so good. I always ask at the end of every episode and I really don't feel like I need to ask you because I feel like you've already given so much advice. But if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? And so I was thinking about this and I, I thought, I just think not being afraid to share it with people, to share your emotion with people. So many people have a story of their own and you don't find that story out until you tell them yours almost. And I think to keep that sort of ball rolling and not making it you know, you don't want to be sad all the time <laughs> talking about it, but I think it's important to share. It's helped me so much to share with my friends and they have been amazing. And if I hadn't told them, you know, I would be alone on it. And I just think it's so sad that people would think that they're alone in it when they're not. There's such a big, you know, wonderful yet horrible community to be in that it is. It is a wonderful community. And I think don't be afraid to share would be my best bit of advice for that. Absolutely. I totally agree. And if somebody yeah. wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Yeah, I, my Instagram account is private, but um, that's still fine. So it's uh, oh God, one of those emails you do when you're at university. <laughs> and, uh, wish you hadn't. But it's um, Kakey, C-A-K-E-Y 266. 
that's my awesome. email address. So I'm good. <laughs> and I'd love to hear from anybody. And I've definitely contacted a few people from your podcast as well, just to say thank you for sharing. And they've been really kind to message back and with you know, gone back and forth a bit. So that'd be lovely to hear from anybody who have any questions or who may have, you know, helped or I can help in the future. <laughs> yeah awesome well thank you so much for doing this i appreciate it you did amazing and yeah it's gonna help so many so many women so i just appreciate you girls who are willing to do this well thank you for beginning it we appreciate you thank you we'll talk soon okay take care thank you Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.